Offscript with Super E recommends listener discretion as these real but sometimes uncensored stories can be filled with mature content. This is Offscript with Super E. I'm your host, A-Train. I'm here with the star of the show, Super E. How are What's you? up, everybody? How's it going? Well, I I can tell you I'm doing good. I hope the listeners are too. What, yep, me too. What do you got in store for us today? Well, I'm going to tell you guys a story of, uh, about a very unnerving case. You know, generally I did a lot of scary undercover stuff, but this whole thing kind of unnerved me because uh, se- several of our officers could have been injured in this whole thing and how it started out as um i had an informant that told me he had a guy selling uh methamphetamine and he said that he could introduce an undercover officer well since i was what we call a case agent since i was running the case Mm -hmm. i needed somebody to act as an undercover officer and so i had i had uh my buddy steve not big steve other steve and uh, we met this guy down in a small town of BG, just south of our town. Mm-hmm. And they met like at a restaurant or something like that. And, and Steve, in undercover capacity, met this guy. And he saw that this dude was missing an eye, the dope dealer. He's missing like his left eye. Something like, you know, got shot out with a BB gun. But he didn't try to cover it up. You know, he didn't put a cool patch yeah. on it or anything like that or sunglasses. He just had. If I was missing an eye, I would definitely put a patch on. Because that's what looks kind of cool. Yes, nothing looks cooler than a patch on an eye. But this guy, he he just kind of went, you know, all natural with it, and and it's like he the eyeball was still in there, but it was just kind of like moving around, you know, like the it was just kind of like floating around in there, and it was all white, and it it was kind of when you saw him, you're like, what the hell. And uh, so he sells the methamphetamine to Steve, the undercover officer, and the informant. Well, the next thing we want to do is is to make a second buy with just Steve and no informant. So he's selling directly to a policeman. Well, Steve makes the phone call, and the guy's no longer staying at the uh, cheap low-rent motel in BG. He's moved on to someplace else. Well, the informant does a little check and finds out that this guy's living in a house on the south side of Indy, in kind of like the Hillbilly area, close mm-hmm. to where we did that uh, boys club investigation. Okay. So, so um, we've got a phone number. We call the guy, and we're going to go down there and make a methamphetamine buy. And we didn't know this, but we also had a gang unit, and they had an informant talking about this same house because it was it just became very very busy they were making tons of money foot traffic was very high in and out people in and out in and out the neighbors they're suspicious they know what's going on they're making complaints so everybody's doing something so we were going to go down there and then have uh steve try to go in and then the gang unit they had one of their undercover officers were going to go in with the informant and try to make a buy from inside the house. Well, the guy that was selling the dope, 
he was making so much money that he thought he better hire armed security. So he had like two or four guys that would watch the property. Two guys would be at the door. And when a prospective meth buyer would come up and knock on the door, they had to be searched and they had to show valid ID to buy the meth. They would oh. check your ID. They were, you had to, you couldn't go in there unless you had a driver's license. It was like the BNV. I, you had to have I a have driver's never, license. I have never heard of such a thing in my life. I know. They were like they were very much on high alert. They knew about undercover officers, police trying to infiltrate the place to get a search warrant. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they were on top of it. Okay. Well, the the drug dealer, he did not know that, you know, when he got the armed security, he didn't do it. He didn't do any criminal history or, I guess, on the interview, ask him about their ethics and morals. Didn't vet because when, OK, yeah. yeah, he didn't vet him very properly. Uh-huh. So so these armed security guys who are basically, you know, south side thugs, mm-hmm. they realize he's got a lot of money. I think it's about forty thousand dollars in his safe. They said, let's just take it. So one early afternoon, they just walked back to the back room where the dope dealer had just put the money in the safe. And they told him at gunpoint, open the safe. We want the money. He says, go eat shit. I'm not opening that safe. And without even negotiating with the guy, they just shoot him dead. Well, hey, the drug dealer. Super. Yeah. You had a little bit of a your uh transmission there so they told this guy give us the money he said hell no and then what happened they just shot him dead i mean there was no go going back and forth hey give us the money as soon as he said is that what she's yeah yeah, they just shot and killed him boom okay he's dead so now the suspects realize that there's more people staying in the house and the one guy that was also in the house was our drug dealer that we had just previously bought from a couple of days ago. And we're going to go into that house that day to try to make a buy off the guy with the one eye. Okay. Well, this guy with one eye, he was laying asleep in, in one of the bedrooms with his girlfriend. They were minding their own business, done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And they were collateral damage, possible witnesses to these murderers. They just walked in without even thinking about it, shot them two victims in the head. So now you got three people dead in about 10 seconds. As they were walking out the door to leave, some young girl knocks on the door and comes in. I don't think she had anything to do with drugs or anything. I think she was just coming in the house. They shoot and kill her dead. So now you got four dead people. They call up the girlfriend. She comes racing over. She was a blonde-haired girl. The suspects jump in a car and they take off. Well, you get all these calls coming in, shots fired, homicide gets out there, and we you've got uh, four dead bodies in this meth house. So immediately we all get alerted over the radio, and we know do not you know don't try any drug buys or anything like that. Okay, all that stuff was canceled, and now we are looking for these suspects, and we get a description of them. So a couple hours later, you know, all kinds of tips are coming in from people. They say they believe the murder suspects are holed up in this apartment building. 
on the south side that is real close to the small town of BG that we know. Mm-hmm. And so me and the guys from the violent crimes unit, that, that was their job, was hunting down homicide suspects, wanted people. So I joined in with them. We go down to where this building is, and it's a, it's a large cinder block building. And it has like four or five apartment units in it, but there's no lighting whatsoever. So it was completely dark. This is like two or three in the morning. We can't see anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought to myself, you know what? These people are supposed to be possibly in a gold Yukon. I called up the BG police and I said, hey, this is what we got. And um, the guy, uh, talk, the police officer from BG told me he's going to go check a village pantry that was just um, south of where we were at. Was, see, our uh, service areas bordered each other, and we were just like a block north of where they were. The, the BG officer goes over to this village pantry, asks the clerk, hey, have you seen th- these people driving this vehicle? And the clerk goes, yeah, they were just in here a few minutes ago. And a couple of the guys got these fresh tattoos on her face. And he told him, he goes, it's kind of weird. They got like red cherries under their eyes and on their forehead, 001. And that was kind of bizarre. It's kind of like a Charles Manson thing, but not a Swats thing. It was just 001. Don't know what that meant. Some sort of gang thing. So the, the clerk, he, he recognized, yeah, these guys were just in here, these suspects. Yeah. Yeah, he said, I'm so glad I called him. It, it had uh, uh, fresh tech, like they had just got. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I guess you know I, when somebody gets a fresh tattoo, I guess you can tell. And uh, red edges and all that. Y- yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. And the guys and the store clerk said their demeanor—they were all you know in good mood, laughing and joking. So that fit because we thought we saw a large suv but we couldn't tell what color it was had pulled into that lot about 15 minutes earlier before i called the other police department so now we have an you know now we think hey we know they're in that gigantic block building but we don't know what apartment they're in and then we see the yukon we see the yukon leave don't know who's in it it starts. It heads to a gas station. Well, the violent crimes guy jump all over it. Nabs, nabs one of the bad guys. I can't remember which one it was, but they got somebody from inside that apartment. Right. Well, now we realize the clock's ticking because if this guy doesn't come back soon, they're going to be suspicious and they're going to try to get out of there. And we can't see who it is or where they're going to go or anything like that if they go on foot. Right. So we're like, hey, we need to know where they're at. Well, everybody's like, well, what do we do? What do we do? And I was, I'm used to going up knocking on doors, cold calls. I said, hey, how about I just go up to the building and, and try to listen in and maybe knock on the door and see if uh, I can figure out where they're at and who's in the apartment. And they're like, oh, no way. That's way too dangerous. They said, you get shot and killed. And I said, well, you know, we can get shot and killed, you know, every day. You know, mm-hmm. that's always a potential. I said, mm-hmm. I got this, guys. I think I can get it done because I've only done it like a thousand times before. Right. But I will admit, A-Train, my, my pulse was kind of like, you know, 
hey, how do you get away with knocking on some uh, murderer's door at 2.30 in the morning without arousing their suspicions or making them nervous when they start pulling triggers? Exactly. So, they had, these guys had just killed four. Yeah, so that's what, I, that's what I was up against. I knew I only had a certain amount of time for they grew suspicious that one of the buddies wasn't coming back. Yeah. And I didn't want anybody sh- getting shot or any more violence. So I, I get out and I had to walk about a hundred yards because there was no place to park and I didn't want my lights. So I walk about a hundred yards. Now it's pitch black. Surveillance can't see me at all. They have no idea. Mm-hmm. So I'm going up and I'm listening to doors, nothing, nothing, nothing. So I go around to the other side of the building and all of, I can, all I can see is complete blackness. But out of one of the doors, I hear a bunch of music playing and people laughing and joking. And I don't know who it is inside there. But then I hear a girl say, damn, Toby. And I thought, wait a minute. Is that one of the nicknames of the suspects? I said, shit, that is them in there. But I, I thought to myself, man, we need to know if I can find out how many people are in there and if, see if I could see any guns or what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm walking to the door, I said, man, I got, I got a, I've got about five seconds to come up with a real good reason. All of a sudden, I hear a guy who's just walking around the area shouting for his dog, Mac. He's like, here, Mac. Come here, Mac. Come here, boy. And I thought, boom, that's it. This is right as I'm getting ready to knock. There's there's my way in. I knock on the door, and all of a sudden the music stops, like they jerk the needle off their record player. And I hear somebody go, "Shit, somebody's at the door." And I check it out, see who it is. And I could I could hear the nervousness and the fear in their voice because they, you know, nobody should be knocking on the door at ten thirty in the morning. Right. And the door slowly opens up. And I see the getaway driver. It's a female with blonde hair. Okay. She goes, you, "Yeah, what do you?" She goes, "What do you want?" I said, "Hey, I got your dog Mac. You guys, you guys lose your dog Mac." I could see immediately her body language softens, and she's no longer nervous. And she opens the door completely all the way, so I could see in. I could see uh, a, one male subject in there with her, and. Um, she, you know, she starts saying, no, that's not our dog. It's a neighbor's dog. But thanks for looking out for us. And she goes, hey, how's it going? I go, oh, not too bad. And we just started talking, just regular talk. And I'm trying to talk to her and scan everything and not get shot at the same time. Yeah. And then as I'm, I think I've got it, I think I'm keeping my cool and I'm being smooth and suave. As I'm standing right at the doorway, this face comes right into the door, doorway right in front of me and I swear to God I'm I'm staring at this maniac that looks like he came out of a Rob Zombie movie he had like the, ta- the scary ass fucking tattoos uh-huh. and in my mind I'm like holy shit son of a bitch but on the outside I had to appear calm and I was right. like hey man what's up dude and he goes what's going on he just Starts talking to me, and I say, hey, those are some good-looking tattoos. And he's like, aren't they? I just got them today. And inside, my heart, it's pumping. It's probably going 100 miles an hour, but my uh-huh. brain has to be on my brain has to be on full alert, looking around, scanning, being safe, 
gathering up much as I could while I'm trying not to shit my pants and piss my trousers. So, so I kept it see, under control. That's good, Super E. So you can see he this is a guy, this is one of the guys with fresh tattoos on his face. Right. He's got he's got the fresh he's got the fresh tattoos. And I could see that the female getaway drivers in there, right. another another suspect, and then w- one of the main dudes that was involved in the shooting. Boom, there they were. I knew exactly what apartment number it was. Now we can get a search warrant before right. they start getting concerned that their buddy's gone. Exactly. Okay, so you confirmed they're in this particular apartment. Yeah, and this yeah. is how many people I see. I didn't see any guns in my direct view, but that didn't mean they didn't have any. So I was able to give that information and they quickly got a search warrant and got SWAT down there and uh, SWAT did what you call a call out. They didn't storm it, the, the uh, apartment door because, you know, they had weapons probably, but they did the call out. And luckily the people, they came out and uh, cooperated, but I was just kind of like, I was thankful that I was able to get up there and figure that out where they were, how many were in there before they realized somebody, their buddy was gone and something had to happen. But I was able to do it safely because I was able to draw upon years and years of experience of doing the cold calls where you knock on a door and you make up a reason to be there and not arouse their suspicion where they want to shoot you or take off or whatever. So it all worked out in the end, and I was like, hey, you know what? We did a good job on that. That's great. That's fantastic stuff. So uh, I, I assume that uh, uh, these guys got charged. Yes. Yeah, they're in prison right now. Oh. Uh, and I never – I could never – I never really got a good reason what the 001 meant on their forehead. All I know, it was very intimidating – if you was to see a person coming at you with that tattoo and them cherries under the eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, that's good work, Super E. Wow, thanks, A-Train. That is some good work. So, you know, this is just another example. So you're years of experience doing this undercover stuff, you know, you to just off the cuff, just go in and say the right things and act you could confirm where these murderers were yes uh, yeah you know i was used to it the, the other guys you know they'd never done cold calls or undercover like me they were mm-hmm. they were surveillance guys they couldn't understand what i was doing and they were fearful for me but i reassured them yeah i'm going to be okay and we're going to get this taken care of this is what you do this is you know other than them being dangerous killers i mean this is this is what you've done for years you do the cold call Knocking, trying to get somebody to sell you dope, do whatever. Um, exactly. That, that's fantastic. Um, good work, Super E. All right. I think this is a good note to end on, don't you think, A-Train? I, do. I hope, hope everybody enjoyed that. All this one quits. Thanks. All right. Adios. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.